I am Bo Ellis Breedlove, and this is the June Bug. Welcome to the ninth episode of The June Bug. We are almost at the end of our journey with Caroline. Episode 10 will be our season finale, bringing a close to Caroline's story and season one of The June Bug. It has been a tumultuous tale, but one of love and compassion through the darkness of dementia. Last week, Caroline found her hopes dashed as she left her home and was returned to a care facility, a move that was financed by the sale of her beloved family home. This week, Caroline strays further into the wilderness and the briar patch of her mind but finds solace in a forthcoming adventure. Details in the story, such as names and places, have been altered or fictionalized to preserve privacy. Episode 9 Evacuation So odd was this place. There, in the corner, a desk from home, laden with various books and journals. Vincent's Panama hat rests atop the desk next to a pile of photographs and photo albums Caroline's been meaning to organize for years. Across the room, a group of young women mill about on what looks to be a lunch break. They wear pink and white striped skirts with white cardigans and the letters W.U. embroidered on their breast. There's a teacher over there. He's scribbling gibberish on a blackboard. Am I supposed to be in class? Caroline wondered. A group of children playfully scurry by, asking Mrs. Aubrey if William can come out to play. A man in dust-covered overalls stares out the window, 
The view is of golden wheat fields. He's smoking a corn pipe. Are you allowed to smoke in here? Caroline thinks. Sweaters. Sweaters. Caroline reminds herself. I have to pack Vincent's sweaters. It was going to be cold. Caroline was certain of that. Why and where the cold weather would be, those were irrelevant. She was reveling in the surprise destination. Vincent was taking her on a trip. I better finish my classwork before I start packing, she reminded herself. In the preceding years, Caroline had been in the thick of it. The woods, the briar patch, getting lost down paths of memories. But now, this is some strange, peaceful in a way, beautiful place. It was a hodgepodge of so many favorite life experiences, all rolled together into one timeline. Caroline's time at Willamette University studying nursing. She always thought she looked smart in that pink striped dress with that furry white cardigan. Dad, on the homestead, smoking his pipe and looking at the fields they were going to leave behind. Fond recollections of sorting through Vincent's clothes to pack his suitcase before a trip. The sense. The touch. The aromas. The noise. The emotions. It was all as tangible as if it were happening for the first time. The horizon of wooded and thorn-filled terrain had faded into the shadowy distance as Caroline had at last found a blissful state of naive happiness. Have you pre-ordered your copy of the Junebug novel yet? This book takes a deeper look at the story we are exploring during season one. Caroline, Vincent, and their love story through the trials and tribulations of dementia. Pre-order your copy on our website, www.thejunebug.org. A dark brown haze engulfed the entirety of Western Oregon from Ashland in the south to the Columbia River Gorge in the north. In Portland, pigeons and crows fell to the ground dead. The view of the city's skyline was obstructed by a thick, heavy haze. Visibility at best was 500 feet, in the West Hills, where Philip lived, it was even worse, a hundred feet. The home where Philip and his husband resided was vacant. 
draperies were drawn, towels were stuffed under doors, window seams were sealed with blue painter's tape and any other tape that could be found in the house. They had evacuated. Dead crows littered the garden where plants shriveled from lack of sun. Even the trees began to lose their leaves, though the summer season still lingered. Oregon was a toxic wasteland. Wildfires were raging uncontrollably. The blue skies over the creek, free of any clouds, were turned a rich amber at dawn. Distant horizons looked gray instead of blue. As the day went on, the sky turned black. The stench of burnt pine settled into the valley. The air quality index reached 800, the worst measured in the world on that day. Outside her apartment window, Caroline could see the haze engulfing the creek. A neighboring building, no more than 50 feet away, looked blue when the siding was actually new cedar shake. Looking out the window, Caroline wondered if the building was really blue or if she was just imagining this apocalyptic scene. The illusion of fog cast Caroline back to that Vancouver port where morning fog had risen off the Strait of Georgia just as Vincent's ferry arrived from Victoria. A maintenance man enters Caroline's room, painter's tape in hand. Excusing the intrusion, he went about taping the seams of her windows, then retreated to another room. Caroline was perplexed by what was happening. Wildfires were common in Oregon, but never close to the city. She began to question whether or not she was actually in Salem, or if she had been moved somewhere else without her knowing. Caroline's grasp on when and where she was continued to slip. Visions from her young adult life had been creeping into the present. Occasionally, the reflection in her bathroom mirror would startle Caroline and bring her back to her present reality. Not unlike a sleepwalker being violently made aware of their dream state. This heavy cloud settling over the valley was not a hallucination. A reality Caroline was made aware of when she removed the tape around one of her windows and opened it. A flood of thick smoke washed over the room through her open apartment door and into the common area. As the maintenance man returned to replace the tape and remove the handles required to open the windows, a siren sounded in the distance. It was a low, penetrating tone, 
that type of siren that rattles your window panes. They were coming from nearby fire departments. All of the fire departments sounding off at once. Evacuation. The boulevard near the creek became congested within moments. Minivans, trucks, sedans filled with people and the belongings they could gather with them. Fires were within miles of the city and a mandatory evacuation was ordered. From the front lawn at the creek, you could see the smoke and flames rising over the southeastern hills of Salem. This was an event no care facility in Salem had ever been faced with. Things like this just didn't happen. Medical transports were swamped immediately with people just like Caroline confined to wheelchairs and needing to be relocated somewhere safe. The manager at the creek made a critical decision. She instructed all available staff to help contact family members of the residents. On their personal cell phones, nurses and office staff called next of kin and pleaded with them to help evacuate not only their family members, but any additional residents of the creek that they could take with them. No one could be left behind. Every person had to be evacuated immediately. Seven months have passed since Caroline last left the walls of this care facility. COVID-19 lockdowns had gone into effect just after she was moved into her apartment. Since then, she has only visited with family through the safety of a window or over the phone. The pandemic playing out across the world was a distant plot that Caroline failed to grasp. Since the first lockdown, she had not had any physical contact with anyone she knew before coming to the creek. Unable to comprehend the pandemic, Caroline remorsefully accepted that what she thought was inevitable had finally happened. She had been abandoned. The scene was manic as staff attempted to prepare 93 residents for evacuation. Joseph and Margaret were called upon to come as soon as possible to take their mother away to safety, and anyone else too, if they could. Seven residents did not have any family who could retrieve them. The manager of the creek made arrangements at a hotel two hours west on the Oregon coast. She would take the remaining residents there herself, where she hoped the smoke would subside and the fires would not be a threat. Margaret and Joseph procrastinated. They tried to find someone more willing to evacuate their mother, but no one else would or could 
take their place. They had reason for caution. Neither had enjoyed a pleasant exchange with their mother in months. She had continued to voice her conspiracies that they had deliberately abandoned her and washed their hands of her care. Caroline, confined to her wheelchair, was caught in the middle of panic and negligence. Joseph agreed to retrieve his mother and take her to his home outside the evacuation zone. You see, though, this wasn't an intentional neglect on the part of Caroline's children. Growing up, they had been sheltered from the tribulations of caring for aging family. Dementia itself was something neither of them had even heard of until just shortly before Caroline's diagnosis. Even then, it was something that happened to other people, something they did not understand. Margaret and Joseph had convinced themselves that the decisions and the care were best left to professionals lawyers, physicians, and those who were more capable of handling the emotional trauma of caring for someone with dementia. Are you enjoying the June Bug? Did you know that the June Bug Project is much more than this podcast? As we explore new stories each season, the Junebug website will work in tandem with the podcast to roll out new tutorials and services that aim at broadening our audience's education and awareness based on the narratives we are exploring. If you enjoy this project and want to see it continue, please consider becoming a benefactor or a sponsor of the Junebug Project. Your contributions will help to expand the reach of the Junebug and touch more lives. For more information, visit www.thejunebug.org backslash support. Joseph arrived at the creek shortly after 1 p.m. as the smoke from the fires grew darker and denser. Caroline was in her wheelchair, positioned inside the front door with a small bag of belongings. A handful of other residents milled about while waiting for their families to arrive. I, I don't know if I should leave yet, Caroline told a nurse. Vincent, Vincent's coming. Will he know where to pick me up? Will he know where I'm going? Not understanding what Caroline meant, the nurse politely suggested, I think Joe is here to take you. Maybe you'll see Vincent with him. This news elated Caroline. Joseph had come to take her to Vincent. Excitement was quickly quashed by Joseph's blunt explanation of the circumstances, and his stressing that this was only temporary. 
false hopes and the environment of panic and disorder further disoriented Caroline. By the time she arrived at Joseph's home, Caroline was angry and combative. She would spend much of the next 48 hours vacillating between silent depression and erratic fury, unable to comprehend what was happening, why she had been taken away, and where was Vincent going to pick her up? On the second day, the evacuation order was lifted, and Caroline was quickly returned to the creek. The fires had crept into South Salem, but spared the commercial development of Caroline's confinement. And so she returned to the creek, to the nursing school at Willamette University, to lunches in the cafeteria with fellow students, to the neighborhood children playing, to dad smoking his pipe on the porch, to packing a suitcase for Vincent. Later that evening, as dinner was served, Caroline sat at a dining table surrounded by strangers, other people losing their grasps on reality. Other people returned to the creek by their families. As she sat there eating a turkey sandwich, she looked up and saw a photograph on the wall. It was framed in a antique golden frame. The picture itself was black and white. It was a scene from Salem, sometime back in the 30s or 40s. A picture of the Salem train station. It was a grand building. Caroline and Vincent had frequented there. He's picking me up at the train station, Caroline remembered. Vincent, he's picking me up at the train station. The June Bug is produced by Breedlove Creative Enterprises. Original music composed by Bo Ellis Breedlove. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can also help support this podcast and the June Bug Project by becoming a supporting member on our Patreon page, www.patreon.com backslash the June bug. Thank you for listening. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Stay tuned for the next installment of the June bug.